Hello and welcome. This is the 11th episode of the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Amir Grigic. And today my guest is Amir Sabirovic. He's from TM7 uh, Innovations and he's a COO there. Welcome. Thank you very much, Amir. Could you, um, could you start off by telling a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to uh, TM7? Yeah, of course. Well, I have a background in software development. And um, during my study in 2007, I had my own development company. Uh, I outsourced my uh, software development to the countries uh, of former Yugoslavia, which, mm -hmm. uh, as you can assume, I come from. Yeah, and uh, I did it for a very long time, but then I was hit as the most with the financial crisis of uh, 2009 and so on. So in uh, 2010, I switched to management consulting, mm -hmm. and uh, I advised a lot of uh, medium-sized and large corporations in the Netherlands on software and innovation. Uh, I did that uh, within the oldest management consultancy company in the Netherlands, and I did it for some time, and then it got a bit boring. <laughs> so uh, I got an opportunity to set up a new company for them uh, because I still had the entrepreneurial urge. Yeah. So I set up a company uh, focused on artificial intelligence, especially the quantitative side. Uh, and I did it for uh, three years. And I really enjoyed it, uh, you know, friends, uh, transitioning companies to uh, digital thinking, but also employing the data to, you know... Uh, make better business um and after a while you know uh, everything goes well and then you ask yourself okay there is more to it than you know relaxed life mm. um so i was looking around and i know uh, the ceo of tm7 for a very long time and we all all, all um, always had good discussions on you know concepts on technology etc and this was uh, the switch to qualitative side, so natural language processing, which is uh, the core business of TM7. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, don't search further, you're going to work with me. So this was my initial switch to TM7, and I'm there for 10 months right now. Okay, and what, what spoke to you about the, uh, the organization as a, as a company? So what, 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 draw, what drew you to uh, actually join uh, TM7? Well, you know, uh, I was looking around and I had like offerings from large corporations with three and a half thousand men and uh, startups that were actually basing their knowledge on what I know. And I was really looking for something to stretch me, mm -hmm. to, you know, put me out of my comfort zone and, mm -hmm. you know, go into a, a, a real startup because mm -hmm. the company where I've come from is actually a company based on a larger mother company. And then you always have security. Working with a startup, well, we know it's never certain. Mm. So this is a nice feeling to have. And actually the company culture where uh, we are all dispersed throughout Netherlands, but, you know, we are really, the, the new ways of working is implemented. So we use Slack, Zoom, Skype, everything yeah. uh, to communicate with each other. So the physical presence is not necessary, but we, we do come together. So that that combined as a startup was really appealing to me. Yeah, so it's uh, the remote working uh, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're not, you're not bounded by a workplace. You're bounded by the work that you have to do. Mm. And, you know, I even the, uh, in the summer times, we know that the Netherlands is like kind of dead in business terms. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I ask, like, can I go 
and work two weeks from Bihać, Bosnia, where I'm from. And mm. my CEO said, well, no problem. You know, we'll Slack, Zoom or whatever if yeah. you're needed. Yeah. So it's kind of, you can, uh, it really doesn't matter where you are. You can just work and, and do your stuff, right? Yes, yeah. yes. As long as your presence is not uh, needed at the customer side, yeah, then of course. you can work, you know, from Mars. Yeah, as yeah. long as you have an internet <laughs> connection. And um, what what do uh, what does TM7 do for the for the clients? So what what do you uh, provide as a service? Yeah. So uh, we have developed a platform that is uh, that it has NLP as the core, so natural language processing. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we extract uh, needed information for large amounts of data. So we are talking about documents and unstructured data, and not only in digital form, but also paper form. Okay. Uh, and we do this for financial services, we do this for municipalities, and what you can imagine is uh, when you're talking about millions of pages of documents and you need to extract certain information like bank account number or your first and last name address, uh, we're very good at doing that. Yeah, and, and then, ha- yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, and then presenting it to the system that is actually processing this information. Mm. And how do you do that with the paper form? So, um do you first inject that into your system or how does it work? Yeah, so uh, it depends on the client side. Uh, we have an o- OCR engine, so we put PDF, it's for PDF to text, so we make it a readable PDF. And then from that, that is our base input mm. and our engine can process all the data. Yeah, so you have to be, uh, you have to have it scanned in, right? So you yeah, have to course, have the, the, the yeah. paper scanned in before you can uh, can actually go through all the documents that you have. Um, and looking at that language processing, uh, what is interesting to me is uh, what, what kind of uh, languages do you support at the moment? Well, uh, uh, it's Dutch but we can also do English. So that's a very interesting thing is that, of course, you have uh, Google that is very good at uh, at language, um, Amazon is moving up, etc. cetera. Mm. But Dutch is very specific and complicated yeah. uh, grammatically. Yeah. And uh, we have tackled the Dutch and uh, we are very, I, I believe we're, we are leading in the Netherlands. And from Dutch to English, so switching from processing Dutch and then processing English is easy. But from English to Dutch, that is not done. harder, yeah. 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 And uh, because you do Dutch and you do English, uh, what, what's the most, uh, what was the most complicated thing about the Dutch? Is that really the grammar that's, that's uh, really difficult? Or? Yes, yes. Yeah. it's the grammar uh, because you, we, we do contextual analysis, so we decise uh, all the uh, sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're talking in, the, in English, so I cannot give you an example yeah, yeah, where you're saying "mon met a hout bane." Yeah. So uh, man with a wooden leg. Wooden yeah. leg, yeah. Uh, so all three things are grammarly a physical object, but also a municipality name in the Netherlands. Mm, yeah, because you have Houten, which is actually an... Uh, yes, Un also, it's a, it's a municipality, and Bain is also a municipality. Oh. So how do you figure out? in grammatically ah, okay. what the contextual uh, meaning of that sentence is. So this is one of our core components. We can dissect, uh, dissect uh, the sentence that way so we can know and understand what, what's written down. Yeah, so the software that you create, is that all created in-house? So do you have your yes, own developers? Yes, it's, or? Our, uh, it's our uh, core IP. So everything uh, that is developed is own. 
Yeah, yeah, and is that proprietary? Yeah, and is it all in house? So you yes. have uh, your yes, developers in in your office or whatever? Yeah. Yes, yes, we have developers uh, in house. We have uh, one of the best linguistic uh, data scientists or the NLP experts, as you may, in the Netherlands. And around him, we have a team of developers that are transforming the. Uh, the development fr- from his side to interfaces, and which is also used at the customer side. Mm. And um, how, how do clients use your your platform? So how do they actually? Uh, what's a, what's kind of a real life example of why someone would do this kind of natural language processing? Well, I'll, I'll give you a very current example. Uh, you all know of uh, about GDPR, mm-hmm. uh, so we're all abided to. Um, uh, by the law of mm-hmm. privacy, municipalities in the Netherlands uh, have to anonymize or pseudonymize all data that is publicized, mm-hmm. and they're abided by law to do so. So, if you send a letter to a municipality asking for a permit, they have to uh, uh, make that publicly available. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for large municipalities, but also small municipalities, this is a problem because there is a human being doing the anonymizing yeah, manually yeah. so actually checking if there is a person name or whatever yes yeah. yes and then making it black scanning it in and making it publicly available so this is a routine job that is uh, not accurate but uh, it's labor intensive mm. so what we do is we uh, have uh, developed a, speci- a specific solution based on our platform for municipalities where they have two folders in and out they drag and drop their documents, and from on one side the document comes in regularly, and on the other side you have an anonymized document which they can um, public uh, publicize immediately, uh, and it goes even further where uh, it will be made available that as as soon as a document comes in, a request from from uh, um, a citizen, you can actually have a checkbox and. It's un- automatically anonymized and make uh, publicly available. Mm, that's crazy because they probably have a big archive as well of yes, a lot yes. of documents that uh, that it's they called the attic. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually called the attic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they they take all those documents that they have. Maybe I don't know how much they ca- how much that can be, but in- should I sell it? Say it in uh, kilometers? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I believe that the Dutch government in general has four hundred kilometers of archive. Okay. And this is page after page, mm. so in the length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a lot From of here documents. here to Frankfurt. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a lot of documents. <laughs> no, the, the, the interesting thing there is I think that um, it, it's, it's something we don't think about uh, yet because there is the, the whole GDPR and, and stuff like that all came along and everybody was like, okay, but I have also have a lot of documents that just have those kind of things in them, right? And You don't uh, even realize. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's um, for, for me, it's interesting to see that you kind of provide a service that, uh, that takes away the manual labor in it, yes. which was where, where computers <laughs> came in <laughs> yes. in the first place, right? Uh, well, it's, it's actually giving your employees the possibility to uh, do more significant and important things instead of, you know, yeah. uh, uh, making your name and last name and your address black. Yeah, because I think that person that needed to do that probably quit <laughs> shortly <laughs> after that because it takes, it takes a while to do that for a lot of documents. Yes, yes. and this is also 
uh, it pauses the process mm -hmm. because you cannot uh, anonymize that much documents uh, uh, that fast. Mm. So that means that you're not uh, processing enough information that you can uh, make publicly available. Mm. And uh, there are you mentioned a lot of other uh, parties that can also do uh, natural language processing. So how do you think you uh, differ from, for example? Uh, things like Amazon Comprehend, which is also a text analysis tool, yeah. uh, or uh, cl Google Cloud Natural Language, for example. How do you think you differ from them, or what, what, what's kind of your uh, unique selling point in, in respect to those kind of uh, companies? Um, I think one of the most important ones is that all things that we are doing are practically proven. Mm -hmm. So they're not in proof of concept, they're not in pilots, they really work, and they have a process that is uh, already available in doing things within a large financial institution or municipality. Mm. So we are not talking, we're, we're putting our uh, products in practice. Yeah, you have a track record. Yeah, so it's not, it's not uh, like we are a startup and that we're figuring out how to use NLP and we have some products. No, we have proven track record and on Dutch and English. Mm. And uh, the next best thing is that we actually always are uh, co-creating with the clients. Mm -hmm. So there is no one-size-fits-all uh, for natural language processing. Yeah. And um, people don't even think about how complex language is. Mm. There are a lot of examples. Of course, I cannot show it visually to you. Uh, where uh, we're talking, we assume that we're talking about the same thing, but the inter interpretation of language is one of the difficulties. It's a big thing, yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course, you have large companies, and Google has all the data, uh, but um, we don't see them as they're focusing on rather other things that we are focusing on. Yeah, because they they uh, really don't. Well, I don't know if they do things with documents, but uh, mostly it's, okay, I send you some text and you analyze it and let me know, okay, this is the sentiment or whatever. So yeah. uh, do you also uh, provide that as a service? So kind of sentiment analysis or... We did sentiment analysis, uh, but uh, there are... Uh, so that is another field within natural language processing yeah, yeah. that is interesting. And there are companies, as we discussed previously, there are companies that solely focus on that and they can do a much better job than we do. Yeah. And sentiment analysis on its own is best, for example, in um, uh, uh, social media. So you have companies that provide you a service for that and that's quite easy. Yeah, so... Do you use uh, things like, um, which have been uh, kind of a hype, so like things like AI or whatever to uh, to kind of uh, get get things uh, get things working? Because uh, I know you're pretty vocal about your uh, yeah. about what you mean about and the use of AI and what does it mean and actually um, what what kind of state it is in right now. So uh, could could you tell a little bit about that? Yeah. So so AI on its own is a general hype as you know and you have seen yeah. because I'm pretty loud about it uh, you always see the hype more than you see the critics mm. so AI actually consists of uh, seven technologies which NLP is one of the fundamentals so teaching your computer to understand the human language then you have machine learning uh, neural networks uh, um, uh, vision uh, voice etc so these are all specific uh, technologies that are used and when when all these are combined then you 
should have a kind of AI, but that's not true because integration of software or solutions are hell of a job and we're not there yet. So um, we're when you say AI, <laughs> my opinion is there is no AI. There are uh, some techniques that you use to do stuff with an NLP and this is what we do. Yes. So we use techniques that are underlying the technologies that uh, uh, represent the AI and we use them within our solutions. Okay, so you basically are saying that um, the kind of, let's put it in quotes, the AI that you use is mostly algorithms that figure th stuff out, right? Exactly. Yeah, and do you think that uh, that that is what people really mean with what what they are talking about AI at the moment? So do you think it's more the that, that it's actually algorithms that are doing it and not real AI? Or Yeah, yeah, I think there is there is no AI. Uh, it's of course easiest way uh, to explain something uh, like that, something complex as that. And I don't know, it, probably uh, uh, people or listeners uh, have experienced, but you know, uh, analyze your own process, what you're doing right now, and think about it. What is needed for that to be taken over by a robot? So, or robot or AI. Mm. Um, so we have routines that can be taken over by some kind of automations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for example, machine learning, where you take yeah, a, l a yeah. large set of data where you do an algorithm. Over. Exactly. And then in the end, you always have a person that is a transcription or making a decision. And uh, uh, in, in most cases, in most companies, there are uh, a few things that are lacking. There is no data. There is no high quality data. Mm. It's, you know, at certain desk in Excels, uh, there is no in different systems. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have the same uniform naming for it. Uh, and then you have the process description and there is no process description. When you ask the most people why, you, why, why they do what they do like they do, they will say, well, we have always done it like that. So the certain aspects that you need to automate are lacking. They're mm. not. So take, for example, a deep learning. Uh, for deep learning, you need large amount of data. So this is one of the biggest differences when you look at our solutions on NLP. We need few documents. That is enough for us to get us going. Mm. Uh, while deep learning would need thousands, yeah, millions of documents, yeah. to, terabytes of documents to understand what you're doing. And then you have only solved a specific vertical. When you want to apply it to another document or another situation, it yeah, doesn't yeah, do. Yeah. So where is the intelligence in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, what would you see as real AI then? What, what, what does that mean to you if, if it's real AI? Uh, for me, uh, a real AI, and then, the, so if all these uh, technologies and all the techniques will be integrated and, you know, you have your cell phone and you're talking with your cell phone with immediate feedback, vision, and analysis, then you have like human level AI. Hmm. So or we're talking about the general AI, and I believe that that is not achievable. Mm. I believe that uh, certain uh, functions or certain verticals like, you know, eye cancer detection or anomaly, anomaly detection or voice recognition, all the specifics will be achieved. Yeah, because we are already doing that in most cases, right? Yes, but combined, like having a computer that is uh, uh, capable of doing that all at the same time, mm. 
that's really hard. And I believe that we are in the peak of inflated expectations of AI. Mm, mm. Yeah, because it's uh, it's still a new field. I mean, uh, even the machine learning thing, which is um, it has been around for a while, but it's still in in kind of an the, infancy. The concepts state. are fifty years old. Yeah, it's the only thing that has changed is the processor uh, capacity and the yeah, volume we can do capacity. More. Yeah, and other than that, we haven't invented anything new yet. Mm. Mm. We're only applying it to more things. And yeah. uh, I believe that the biggest challenge that we're, well, posed to is um, having people understand technology and what it means. So not AI as a container, but understanding the um, the technologies and techniques beneath and being able to uh, define a business problem or a case and then look at which technologies do we need and... Uh, how would how can we apply them to solve our process problems or business problems or whatever within companies? Yeah. I think this approach um, is not fully applied yet. Uh, at this point, most companies are me too. Yeah. You know, well, everybody is doing it, so let's let let us do yeah. it as as well. And this is also why a lot of um, a lot of pilot projects fail because the essential question at the beginning was never posed. Yeah, the 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 question about what are you going to actually solve? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you see that you see that in the in the kind of home automation spheres as well, where you see the the Alexa thing, so the the Google Home and stuff like that. It's all fine and dandy, but what is it actually going to solve for me in my in my home? I don't. I don't well, know. it's going to solve for Google or for Amazon, so they can detect anything you're using, so they can sell you more. Yeah. yeah. So in the end. You're the product. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, how do you, when looking at Google, how do you, um, um, how do you, what do you think about the thing that they did with the duplex thing? So where they had like a call, someone was calling a, I think it was the the kind of the the computer voice was actually calling the restaurant to do a reservation yeah. and stuff like that. What do you think about that? I think that all large corporations with enough marketing funding can do awesome things for the eye. Mm. So I would really want to see it, you know, and experience it on my laptop or my phone. Yeah. yeah. So see it in practice. Uh, I I I think it's made. Mm. So you think it's a, more like a demo than it's actually something yes. that's really yes. existing. Yes. That- I've experienced, without mentioning the name, um, a few situations where we were invited and uh, companies were invited that pretend to have an AI, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you may, and uh, under the hood there was a keywords finder. So, so that was like control, control F, you know, on your, on your mm-hmm. word. So they had an enormous marketing budget. And when you look at it, you would say, well, if I buy this, all my life problems will be solved. This thing can do anything for me. And then you go deeper and analyze what it really does. And the customers of the customers that wanted to do that were very, um, uh, surprised in a negative way yeah because a, a keyword search is not going to give you that uh, real language processing and the contextual no. thing that you were talking about no, earlier no. right yeah so uh, so th- this is this is maybe uh, just to add to you um uh, we we live in the era of fake news mm. and people want to believe uh, and of course it's very good to have you know uh, a vision for the future and that we're going to do an astonishing thing so i'm not pessimistic but i always want to get down to the earth you know and and okay 
uh, it's very beautiful that we want to have AI, but let's see what is right now and what it does for us. And um, the reality is that marketing is always sweeter than the reality, the, the 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 bitterness of the reality. Yeah, because if it's the same thing with the thing that they have already. I mean, the things with the Google Home and in their in their kind of marketing stuff, they really can almost do anything but when you really buy that uh, thing and you really test it out it it just yeah, it doesn't make sense it's in in some cases it's it's actually stupid <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually dumb it doesn't know what 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 you're really in some cases it's pretty accurate and it's pretty good in what they do but uh, it, you kind of notice still that it's kind of a yeah a dumb thing Right. Even though it's pretty smart, it's still it's still dumb it's, in in terms of human capacity. Yeah, so what we can. So the, the the real difference, and I think this is also the comparison that we shouldn't make, is understand that you cannot compare artificial intelligence with human intelligence mm. because we have abstract thinking, we're emotional, um, we're creative, and we can make very tough decisions based on little or no data. Mm. Mm. And computer. Needs data. Yeah, yeah. Needs data. There are actually uh, electrons jumping from the circuits left and right. So there is no consciousness. Mm. Uh, so I think the, the, the computers or the systems uh, or whatever you may call them provide us with the right augmented knowledge and information. Mm. And we as humans can uh, derive our decisions based on that. So it's a tool. It's not something that is going to take over. Yeah. So do you think that will come in some kind of a Terminator scenario where <laughs> where the robots will take over? Because I was looking at a, um, a short clip a while ago of the Boston Dynamics thing that was yeah. part of Google. DARPA. Yeah, so the, the, the thing that we're, they were doing with the robots that can actually scale uh, up, uh, for example... Uh, boxes and stuff like that and yeah, so yeah it that was pretty creepy to me of course you know that that robot is not smart yeah uh, in the sense that they probably just programmed it to do that exactly um do you think that we'll get in the in that kind of a scenario where uh, you where they could take over where they can actually get that smart uh, I don't think that they will get smart, but I think that uh, if we have robots that are killing machines, so mm. if we equip robots, uh, mechanical robots with machinery that is designed to hurt other persons, uh, we always have evil people on earth. So you can imagine that you'll be able to hack a tank or hack a plane or hack a robot and control them on a distance. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so, so, so um, this is like uh, last month, I believe I saw that um, somebody post something about uh, they made a game where collecting apples was a, a, a key goal. And they put two algorithms to each other, but they gave them the possibility if uh, the algorithm should decide to shoot another algorithm to collect more apples, it should do so. Mm. So, of course, after uh, after certain uh, levels, they start shooting each other mm. just to do, to do so. And then they said, well, these algorithms or AI is aggressive and they pose a threat. And I believe the destruction comes from the humankind because the algorithm didn't figure out I should... They could also have said, okay, if you collect more apple, apples than your opponent, opponent share. 
but humankind is not that of a sharing yeah, yeah, kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was programmed to do that. Exactly. So the bias, uh, our convictions, etc., everything that we hold for ourselves will be implemented into algorithms that steer those machines. So it's always the human being that is in control, and it's always our urge for destruction that is implemented into machines. Mm. Yeah, that's also the thing that I'm. Um when i talk to a lot of people it is a hype i mean we can we can pretty much agree on that it's a hype and a lot of those hypes come along there was a hype for uh for for example for the voice stuff which is still going on i think yeah. uh, which i do see a potential for it i mean there is a potential for the whole voice thing at home and stuff like that but it's still a gimmick it's still a gimmick and i i, I think it's also the case in AI, where everybody's saying like AI, 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 but it's actually machine learning, right? It's something that uh, that was already there. Um, I, I'm wondering if it will come to a stage where we really don't see the difference anymore. So we don't see a difference between what a computer is doing and what it actually is uh, is processing and uh, and showing us, and. Uh, human interaction i'm i'm curious what what do you think about that uh, so do do you think that uh, it's kind of the same thing as our robots going to take over but is is it going to get to that level uh, are we to- are you talking about uh, um of um the the chatbots and actually yeah, conversational, like chatbots, conversational interfaces. Yeah, it could be conversational interfaces, but uh, <clears throat> it's it's also a thing that uh, I was talking to um, my last guest. Uh, we were talking about the how we are interact with screens at the moment and uh, what he sees and does he see like are we going to kind of merge with the technology that we already have or and uh, this is kind of the same question in the sense that I'm I'm curious to see what what how far we will go in that kind of voice technology and uh, the whole chatbot thing? Are we going to be able to do distinct, distinctly know if it's a human or a robot? Do, do you think we're we're getting there? Um, I think as long as the data is available, then it's okay. Um, so uh, what you look at uh, the, the chatbots, um, the availability. I mean, even on Skype, you have the chatbot availability, so you can implement it for yourself. Mm. Um, but um, uh, you never know some questions you can ask, but uh, I believe there will always be. So for certain questions that you are asking your, um, that you're asking Siri for now, it works. But at a certain level, a human being will take over because a computer um, maybe can recognize your frustration, but then you would like to speak with a real person mm. because the empathetic... <laughs> feeling that yeah a robot cannot do that or a machine he can maybe uh, recognize it uh, like facial facial recognition say hey amir is uh, mad and uh, he would like to speak with a real person yeah or for example you're raising your voice or whatever exactly so that would be like a switch over you know you have your chatbot and then it switches over to uh, a real uh, phone operator Uh, but then again you know it's the same thing as with the we're talking about data. You need data to be able to do that. So let's let's look at the autonomous car. Mm. They have jointly driven millions of miles together. Yeah, for example, the Tesla thing. The Tesla, the the Google car. I don't know. Uber has also uh, yeah. autonomous cars, etc. So why didn't we figure out uh, how to drive or 
to to make it fully autonomous? Why are there still accidents, etc.? Because real stupidity beats artificial intelligence anytime. Mm. A computer can only do stuff that are abided by rules that are implemented. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. for example, let's say you uh, you're on the road, and somebody double parked and left half of his car on the road. Uh, this is a situation that you cannot count on. You never know when it's going to happen. You cannot. So if we would build a fully new land on Mars and we say from day one, we're going to have autonomous cars and nothing else. It will uh, probably work. It will probably work. But we have like, we're transitioning from a digital world, uh, from a physical world into a digital world. And we still have a large physical world where we're uh, doing everything ourselves. So as long as that is there, we'll always, you know, have clinches and dangerous situations, no matter how much data we have. Yeah, and that's, I was start thinking about the podcast that I was listening to with uh, Elon Musk uh, not too long ago. And he was also mentioning it, like, you need a lot of time to get all those old cars, uh, quote unquote, uh, out of there. So uh, the lifespan of a normal car is like, 20 years or something like that, 15 to 20 years. So it can take a while before you get, we're still looking for getting the autonomous yeah. driving actually working. Uh, but also uh, you have, as you said, you have like a legacy that uh, still yes. exists and you're not going to, uh, you're abolish not going it. to, yeah, you're not going to abolish it and you're not going to convince everybody to say, okay, no, let's Technologically, do everything is possible. Yeah. So let's, you know, there we're moving fast forward, etc. But we still have the same laws and regulation. We have the same infrastructure. We have the old way of thinking. Mm. We have companies, huge corporations that are still working on systems that are 1980, 1990. Yeah, yeah. And black, banks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, black boxes that nobody should touch because if it breaks down, they don't know how to fix it. So... Um, to create a new world, you have to release the old one. And that transition is going to take very, very long. I think we're going to, uh, you know, step by step, uh, jointly with law and regulation, with public services, etc. We're going to get there. And in between, we're going to make our life easier. Yeah. And that is not AI taking over. It's just making, you know, your doctor appointments easier being able to recognize uh, cancer cells within your body easier, you know, make our way of life better. Yeah, and do you think it should be regulated in a sense? Because... uh, with laws and regulations, it it uh, it's always tricky because every country has their own laws and regulations, right? Yeah. So say say for instance, you ha- the th- the best maybe example is the internet, right? We don't really have laws and regulations for it, but there's still countries that uh, kind of apply their own lo- laws yeah. and regulations. So so this is a very interesting thing or subject that you mentioned because uh, I believe Assange wrote it in his book uh, uh, about the internet. So it's. Uh, it's the greatest invention of all time, and it can u- be used to gather real information or as mass manipulation. Mm. So I can imagine that some countries don't want to have uh, public internet widespread because yeah. it can cause mass manipulation. Of yeah. course, we have seen the elections. We've seen In all America, these things. Yeah. So uh, the uprise of uh, fake news. So I can assume that technology is not applied everywhere. So I think. Uh, 
the, the regulation is necessary or who is controlling the controller. Mm. If you want a mortgage and an algorithm decides that you're not um, eligible, then somebody should see why that algorithm figured that out. Yeah, and yeah, not yeah. just believe that is all, you know... It's all, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there is a bias. Um, I believe that Supreme Court in America has kind of a test case where, you know, I believe the penal system in America works if you have three strikes, uh, then you... Yeah, will, yeah. Uh, yeah you, you, get get a, a, you get a... Life uh, sentence. Yeah, or at least you get a, a, a bigger sentence than you would have in normal cases. Yeah, yeah. And they use the algorithm for it, just for testing. And the guy was convinced, uh, um, convicted for um, a life sentence. Mm. And then they peel down to see what the, the indicators are to mm. make that decision. And color was one of the indicators or parameters within. So this is the bias that somebody put it in the algorithm. Yeah. So you need to control the controller. So you need to see uh, the integrity of the person that is developing and test the basic parameters that are decisive for the for the. So Our basically, reason. a human cannot create it because we always always have bias, right? We of always course, have we, bias. we all have bias. These mm-hmm. are made by your surroundings, by people that you talk to. Your upbringing, uh, where do you grow yeah, up? Exactly, your education, your way of con- consuming information. So you have all these different information streams coming over and people that affect you yeah. uh, in positive or negative way. And these all form your biases. And mm. we are developing the algorithm. So these... <laughs> these biases come in there. Of course. Regardless of... Uh, well, everybody can have like a, a noble, uh, you want to be noble in that sense, but yeah. what is noble? Yeah, so, for, so, it's it's different for everybody. Yeah, and I had a very interesting conversation uh, with a professor from Erasmus University where we said, well, we have a for our ethical form uh, that is uh, decisive for European countries, West European countries. And we said, well, maybe there should be a platform where all these ethical rules were there doing that right now from the Brussels, but they have algorithms that if you produce algorithm like a company and it has effects on somebody else's life, like mortgage, uh, a loan, uh, a car loan, whatever, that it should pass the ethical norms Mm. first before you can implement it. Yeah, but as I said, the ethical norms are maybe different for us uh, in regards to but someone in in a different part of the world or whatever. Of course, but this would be for Europe alone. So yeah, yeah, okay, for Europe. For okay. you. Okay, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, for European Union, because mm. the ethical rules and uh, legal rules are applied to all the countries that are member. Yeah, yeah, of course. So then, as a company, you'll be abided to, okay, send in your algorithm, it will be tested on ethical rules and uh, law and regulation, and then you can implement it in your company. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking of that. Uh, you'll probably get the same thing like you have with the GDPR at the moment. So you you, you have like the GDPR in the European Union, which is, uh, you can say all things about it. It's a noble thing. It's a that, good thing. It's, it's a, a good thing, thing that, that, they, that they did. It's it. a protection. Yeah. Because- you know, yeah. we all click. Do you agree? Do you agree on terms? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we all say yes without reading six hundred thirty-five pages. Oh yeah, of of, <laughs> of actual terms. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And on page on page six hundred thirty-three, there stands that they can use your data however they want. Yeah, but it's it's different because 
they don't have those kind of laws in, for example, America or whatever. Uh, so it's noble that we are doing it right now, but you already see that uh, companies that operate in, in an international way, so for example, American companies in, uh, in the European Union, uh, they struggle with that, right? So they struggle with implementing it because every continent or every country has their own rules. So uh, I'm thinking if it would slow down the, the development of uh, things that we are doing in terms of AI or whatever. I'm, I'm thinking if, that, if that's the case. Um, I think it is. I think it is because what we've seen before is that laws and regulations usually mean that something is going to go slower than it uh, is right now, right? So maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't have laws and regulation for a financial institution or insurers, etc., then, you know, they'll chip you at your birth, they'll analyze your blood, they'll get all the diseases that you potentially can do, and they'll say, well, we deny your assurance or insurance based on this. On your genes or whatever. Exactly. So you'll not be able to cope with things that are genetically passed to you by a by your parents without, you know, you being able to affect it. Mm. So you'll get like a data-driven society yeah. where only uh, the the best of the best or the people that can uh, uh, pay for the healthcare yeah. will uh, survive. That's a little bit like the Minority Report movie. Yeah, right? yeah, there's imbalance. Or I believe there is also a movie where uh, the baby uh, blood is taken in uh, at the moment of birth and they say, okay, He's not going to be uh, this. He's going to go. So the the intelligent coefficient is measured. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Health, etc. And you're written off as soon as you are born. Yeah, which is crazy, of course. I mean, uh, it doesn't always. You cannot really tell what uh, someone is going to become, right? In no. the later no. stages, uh, as as you said, it has to do with uh, the environment you grew up in and and, and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, wh- what do you think? Um, what do you think the future lies for uh, TM Seven as a company? Uh, looking at you do natural language processing. What, what do you think the next step is there? Um, well, we're, we're growing in our platform. Uh, we're co- of course uh, doing some uh, some really cool projects at this point. Uh, also uh, related to compliance, uh, law and regulation. So actually, pushing out the routine checks on uh, financial institutions. Uh, I, I believe that we are growing as a platform, um, we're growing as a product, and we're growing as a team. So the future is, uh, is bright. And I think that in the, in the next few years, we'll grow rapidly even more, uh, and that we are going to become the leading NLP company in the Netherlands. Yeah, so that's, that's actually your, your goal, right? So you... Uh, of course, you want to make the uh, NLP also better. I think that of course, uh, than of it course, is right now. Of course. And wh- where do you see uh, where do you see kind of opportunities there? So in making that NLP better, what what do you think that will will result in? Um, that's kind of tough question because you know this is predicting future. Yeah, and I believe that you can predict future future three months ahead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Planning so, is guessing, or yeah, the, yeah, the future yeah. is guessing as well. Well, you know, we're we're continue as 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 we're working on a projects, we're continuously improving our uh, our uh, library of algorithms um, and NLP repository. So I think that we will uh, enrich and uh, make it even more advanced. Where 
as uh, as we progress with our projects we're every project is a learning environment even though you're repeating some things mm. you come across uh, new uh, new challenges and all these challenges are based in our repo- repository so uh, at a certain level you'll um, reach a maturity where you have it well most of it discovered yeah. or covered yeah so do you do you have a particular fault tolerance that you want to abide by so uh, how many uh, so for example say i become a client and i have a lot of documents that i is there kind of a fault tolerance that you also uh, say to the client okay it, uh, it could be 90% good and maybe 10% will still be okay i'll tell you immediately there you cannot be 100% right yeah yeah it's of course not, it's not possible yeah so there is always always room for that so you can go up to 90% you can even go up to 93% but um that's that's about it yeah that's that's also 100% what, is not achievable yeah that, i think that that's that's correct because in in a sense we did that uh, in on our side we tested with the nlp as well um and what we noticed was that we were um almost always getting about 70 80 percent uh yeah. correct uh just by measuring it just by seeing okay this is probably 70 or 80 percent good yeah. um and that that's uh yeah that's i think where the last 20 percent is the difficult the most is, difficult is yeah, the, the, the 80 20 rule but other ways around yeah so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 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 where yeah. you would say that uh the last twenty percent is actually the the human smartness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is why the 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 analysis of the process and why you do things as you do, and so you have actually domain experts that you need to discover how you can get from what you said your eighty percent up to ninety ninety three percent. Okay. So I, I would like to wrap up. I have uh, one more question that I always yes. ask at the end. <laughs> what are you most proud of since you uh, started at TM7 in this case? Um, I'm really proud uh, on the organization as a whole. I think that in the past uh, year we have made a tremendous jump in organization. In um, Of course, we had the new office. We're based in Apple right now. Um, and we're growing with a theme. So uh, I think these are the three base things that I'm proud of. Okay, cool. I think uh, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Amir. And uh, for the listeners, uh, you can uh, find TM7 on. What, uh, what domain can they find you on? www.tm7.eu Okay. And uh, for the listeners, uh, the podcast can be found on bitsversbytes.com. That's bitsvsbytes.com. And also on Instagram, uh, SoundCloud, and Twitter. We're uh, all bitsvsbytes on all of those. And uh, we are on Spotify now. That's uh, also a new thing uh, uh, since recently. So uh, you can find us there. Thank you for listening and until next time.